Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author and colleague, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a broadcast that we do every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And it's an opportunity to share with you some thoughts and often some stories from audience members that are hopefully helpful when it comes to mending hearts, mending the loss of, of a pet, an animal companion who is much loved. And we bring to you lots of experience from many, many years of facilitating pet loss groups, Nancy for 30 years plus and me for 11 years plus. And I'm happy to say we now have a pet loss group going once a once yeah. a month in Springfield at Dakin Humane Society. So we bring the information, we brought the information that we gathered from all those years into a book that's called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And we decided more than a year ago now to start doing these broadcasts as a way to extend our reach and hopefully help lots of people. And we very much like to hear from you. So yeah. please get in touch with us with your questions, your stories, your suggestions for topics, for guests. And we're very happy to have a back and forth dialogue with you. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z. So that's N Saxton Lopez at csmpc.com. This program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community supported animal welfare organization that provides a whole range of services that include shelter and medical care and spay neuter services and behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people every year. And since opening in 1969, Dakin has become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in Central Mass and a national leader in animal welfare. And you can learn more at dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. You can also give a donation to support their great work, and that would be greatly appreciated. You can support the work that Nancy and I are doing on this podcast with a subscription or with a one-time gift, and the information for doing so is available on the description for the broadcast, whether you're seeing it on YouTube, where it would be great if you are if you are benefiting from it for you to subscribe or on Facebook or on one of the podcast outlets where it's now also available, including Apple Podcasts. So I think that's all we have for an introduction. And today, Nancy's going to get us started by referring to an article that we think yeah. is really a great summary and offers some really useful points. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I were talking during the week, and I said, you know, let's see what's out there, you know, and if there's any new articles or information. Mm -hmm. And um, I came across this article. Now, the article was actually written in 2021 in May, but the Times, the New York Times had it on, you know, published it yesterday, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I think that they're doing a, um, um, a series on resilience. 
And so they found this article that was done, in, you know, in 2021, and, and they did put it on. I want to give people credit. I mean, obviously, because it's a great article, actually. Um, so it's it's written by Carrie Hansen, um, and the title is "How Losing a Pet Can Make You Stronger." Um, and it starts with Zena. This is Carrie's dog, her lab, um, that died in her kitchen. Xena mm -hmm. um, was fine. She left the room. She came back. She had died. Mm. Um, she was 13. And it was one of those things. I mean, that's so sudden, right? It was not expected. Mm -hmm. um, and she went through a little bit of her life with Zena. Um, she was a puppy at the time that her father died. Yeah. Um, at eight, at 88. So, you know, she, the puppy was in the bed with him um, when he died. And when her brother died a few years, you know, like three or four years ago, I guess it was, um, Zena was her comfort. So she starts with this personal story. And it's interesting because that says so much about the human animal bond, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The next thing she said that I I picked out was grief is aching. And and we have talked a lot about grief over the past so many con you know podcasts in the context of it doesn't end. It's a process right. Right. and it keeps going. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um so she has it um kind of categorized out with you know coping with grief issues. So grief is not a problem to be solved, but it's a process to be lived through. We were talking about that, I think, last week. Um, there are a couple books in there that it sounds sounds really important um, and maybe worthwhile looking up. It's okay that you're not okay. Mm -hmm. um, meeting grief and loss in a culture that doesn't understand. And yeah, we talked a lot about that. That's such a it's such a great title because we are so focused on positivity as though we're always supposed to be positive and we're always supposed to be looking on the bright side. And so that idea that it's okay if you're not okay, which I've read used in many different, many different publications and many different stories about things like the mental health of people who are employees in workplaces and whatnot. It's just, so, so it's just great. It's a great, it's a great little statement, I think, and I'm sure it's a great book. And it's by Megan Devine. So, okay. but, but that, yeah, that, that was perfectly the perfect title. Right. And then there was another one, uh, grief works stories of life, death and surviving by Julia Samuel. Um, the second thing is experiencing a sudden loss can be traumatic. It was for her, obviously. She walked mm -hmm. into her kitchen, and even though it wasn't violent or aggressive, I mean, we've had those horrible stories about watching, you know, your animal get hit by a car or, you know, the train, remember? But it could be you didn't expect it, right? Of course, yeah. Um, and then what happens is um, many bereaved people experience secondary loss, and we'll get to this with, with Nicole's story coming up, when friends and family run away because they cannot tolerate their own discomfort. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, this whole idea that it, it is so, so many people are unpracticed at being in the company of somebody 
who is experiencing emotional distress. They are just not, they're just not skilled and they're not able to tolerate what right. it stirs within themselves. Exactly. And so they, they back off in one way or another. They either back off or they try to get the person to stop feeling what they're feeling. Yeah, they want them to stop feeling sad. Yeah. And yeah. of course, in bereavement work, which you and I have done a lot of, you know, you don't want them to stop. You need no. them to express it, right? Yeah, it's um, not going to help. Especially in the hospitals, that we, the hospitals we've worked in, yeah. you know, with you Prudential. I mean, you know, it's important. You get, if you, if the person's on the floor, you get on the floor with them. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't pat them. You don't get them Kleenex, you know, because that just says, don't do it. Right. So um, Wait, no, don't give Kleenex. I always give Kleenex. I feel well, like it's, it facilitates crying. Well, no, no, but well, it does, but you don't have, you, I just have, we just have it. Right. So yeah. there's Kleenex, you know, so that you know, they, they can use that. And that's right. Um, <laughs> but um but there's other things that come that, that come along with that. And what do you do, right? How do you help people? And a lot of times people like to, I mean, it depends on what people say, but they, they really are helped by tasks, somebody doing tasks, yeah. making meals, you know, mowing their lawn, um, you know, getting, getting groceries, whatever that might be. Right, because um, we're so debilitated sometimes yeah. and disorganized that just having help with daily functions can be very supportive. Right. And I think that from what this article said, it's very helpful, mm -hmm. you know, and to keep, and to keep up with them. I think what yeah. happens is after the death and people are, Oh my gosh. And, you know, we, we can help you. And, you know, um, there are things we can, we can do. And, but after it's like, it's like with humans after the funeral, right. All of a sudden, yeah. Everything quiets down. Yeah, just a few days, up to a, maybe a couple of weeks, and then you're expected to be back to normal. I always come back to this article that I mentioned. <laughs> I've mentioned previously that after three weeks, most Americans will think, "Hey, you should be back to yeah, quote unquote normal." Exactly. Which you is not this. this is not normal for many human beings. Well, you know, it's not normal for any human being, right. and but that Anglo part of this is like just. Pull yourself up and yep. keep going. Yep. But there's no acknowledgement for that. And people start to feel very lonely mm -hmm. and they and they start, you know, to, to feel that, you know, they're 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 not there's they're not there. Nobody's nobody's helping them. Nobody is reaching out to them. Um and so, you know, that becomes problematic. So to, to help those folks, right? Um so yes, time does not heal all wounds, by the way. You know, people, oh, it'll be okay, you know, down the road or you know, soon, but that's not necessarily. And and they feel people feel forgotten. Um so and then it's to connect the bereaved to supports, you know, groups, individual therapists, community, you know, uh support. Um listen more than you talk. Mm -hmm. And because you can't make it better. We've talked about this on our podcast. You just can't make it better. You can't take the pain away, you know, and, but choose your words carefully. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of words? The words need to be very simple and say, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Just, um, I, this hurts so much. 
you know, if you give the, the person the emotion, it really just, is just, helpful for them. Just validation. Yeah. Right? Just just an observation of you can you you are there with them in their in their grief that you can see that how grief stricken they are and how sad they are and how hard this is. Um, and so it's just being there really, you mm -hmm. know, can I get you mm -hmm. something? Do you mm -hmm. need me for something? Um, and, you know, yes, you loved, you loved your, your you know, your cat so much. And mm -hmm. it's so sad that, that he's not here. Um, but she also goes into the biology of grief that they, they, they now know that grief depression uh, changes the immune and cardiovascular systems. So, so all of that emotion does have an impact on our biological status, right? Sure, everything is connected to everything else. That's the way I think about it. Well, you, you've heard for years, you know this. I mean, that a lot of times, especially with men, they don't deal with their emotions. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. And, and we so get stomach aches and back aches and headaches and ear extraordinary irritability. Those well, and they can die earlier of a heart attack. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. that's always been what we've yeah. heard over time. Hypertension. Yes. Yep. Um, now, then she goes into some really cool things. The death of a family pet can remind us of how vulnerable, precarious and precious life is right it is a process of acceptance and letting go that builds resilience to navigate our life we are changed forever by experiencing this loss yep, yep. and we, we have also talked about that so to do that i mean you need to embrace it and that's hard for people people and you, we've talked about that we've had i've had a few clients i don't want to feel this way i don't like it I want it to go away. They wish it away. It comes back, right? Because they're in that, that process of grief. Yeah, w wishing it away is a paradox because the more you wish it away, the more you're That's actually bad. engaging with it. The more you fight with it, the more it's going to fight back rather than just trying to accept it and witness it and watch the feeling because the the... The, the more you just sort of try that, that sort of meditative watching, the less it clings to you usually. Right. You, it's like telling the person, oh, you, you're, you're sad. If, mm -hmm. you're, if you're talking to them and not acknowledging that, they don't feel that they're, you're connecting to them, right? Yeah. You have yeah. to open that up and, and because that's what it is. That's what they're experiencing, right? Yeah, yeah. And then there's one other book, um, it's on post-traumatic growth following the loss of a pet. That's the book. It's by Pacman. And the research found that after the loss of a pet, many reported an improved ability to relate to others and feel empathy for their problems, an enhanced sense of personal strength, and a greater appreciation of life. Yeah, grief cracks you open. Yeah, right. Breaks you open, makes you vulnerable. And if you are able to, if you're able to embrace that, you're able to connect better with other people's challenges. Yeah. Well, you've gone through it, right? That's yeah. why the group is so important, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone came together because they had experienced maybe in different ways, but they experienced the loss of their animal. 
Right. Yeah. 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 And, they, and then she yeah. also talks about kids, right? Yes. She says, and, and it's just, I think that's such an important part of this. Like I always say that families should have pets because it teaches kids so much about yeah. life, life, about gentleness, about caring, about, about being kind to somebody who's much more vulnerable than you are. And it teaches about the life cycle yes. and that everything eventually dies. And right it's just incredibly valuable for children to have that experience and for parents to support them, support through, them through that and be available it. to them. Right. Because yeah, all the of impact it. can be traumatic and la lasting for kids. So the, so parents and, and adults need to be there and allow their children to actively. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not deny, don't minimize, just validate what they're experiencing. Show them your own sadness yeah. too. Right, because you're the you're the role model. Yep, yep. So that's that's kind of the the, the what this article you know kind of uh, summer I'm summarizing it. But if people again, is Carrie Hansen, how losing a pet can make you stronger. Um, and we so have a link want, to it in the description as well. Okay. Yes. Good. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about Nicole. We got a yeah. lovely letter from Nicole. A very sad, lovely letter. Yeah. So I'll read I'll read her letter. And and again, we, we love your letters because they are they are so so wonderful in illustrating the personal experience of loss and grief and healing and interacting yeah. with others yeah. in the aftermath of loss, sometimes in the preparation for loss. And and so again, we got this great letter. It's from Nicole. She writes, hello, Ken and Nancy. I've been listening to this podcast for comfort every day since my cat, Jafar, Jaff for short, passed away last Thursday, 4-7. So this is very fresh indeed. I really appreciate your talks and how less alone I feel with my grief. Jaff was my first cat and the first pet that was truly my own. I got him for my 18th birthday, and now I have to spend my 20th without him next month. So he lived a very short life, unfortunately. I know we didn't have much time together, but that's what hurts the most. I didn't even find out he had a tumor in his abdomen until last Wednesday, which was 4-6. He was acting sick for a week because he was vomiting and peeing everywhere and barely eating. The symptoms were not even recognizable until the tumor was fatal. The vet told me the tumor grew so fast and that he was in so much pain and didn't have much left to live maybe a week or two. This news absolutely broke me. Yeah. I only had 18 hours with him until I had to put him to sleep. It was really hard seeing him in so much pain without, even though he was trying his hardest to, to hide it. He was so young and I had no idea such a young cat could get cancer. What is so sad is the fact he died the day before his second birthday. But I know I made the right choice because I didn't want him to spend his birthday in so much pain. I didn't have enough time and it still doesn't feel real to me. What happened to him was unfair for both of us. He was my entire world and still is. It was all so sudden and I'm still processing it. He was my son and was around me all the time whenever I was home. He would sleep in my bed, follow me around the house, would cuddle with me every night. Our bond was so strong and he was, and he has gotten me through some hard times, my hardest times. I expected to spend another decade with him 
move to college with him and have him at my wedding. My friends were there for me the first day, but brushed it off so quickly. They were tired of my energy and how depressed I'd gotten. I think they expected me to just be sad for one day and then move on. Even my mom tells me to get over it whenever I cry. I'm writing this on 413, just the, yesterday, which means tomorrow morning would have been one week without Jeff. I just miss him so much. Now it's the little things that trigger me. When my door nudges open and I expect to see his face trying to enter my room until I realize I won't ever experience that again. His hair is still all over my room and my clothes. I'm afraid of washing my clothes or dusting my room because I know one day I won't see his hairs anymore. His paw prints are still on my car and I'm afraid of washing my car too. On the day of Jeff's departure to heaven, my friend surprised me with baby kittens. The story of how she got them was a miracle. Although I felt like it was too soon, I accepted them and I'm now taking care of them. I'm glad to have another cat, but he's not Jafar. I don't know how I will take care of this kitten without feeling so guilty over Jafar. Mm -hmm. I feel guilty when I don't cry all day or when I laugh with my coworkers or friends. Although I hated the feeling of being absolutely distraught over him, I still feel guilty for taking the little steps of moving on and feeling normal again. I just don't know how to live with the thought that one day will pass and I won't miss or think about him. Or the fact that one day I might love my new cat as much as Jafar. He was such a sweet boy taken from me too soon. And I truly believe that he was one of a kind and could never be replaced. I hope you guys read this and maybe talk about it in the next episode. And hopefully even help me find a way to not live with the guilt of it all. Thank you again for helping me through the hardest parts of grief I had to face. And for making me feel less alone and not crazy for the amount of pain I've endured in losing a pet. As you can see, he was a beautiful boy. I oh, hope he he's in a better beautiful. place. He was a beautiful, beautiful. black and white cat. Oh. Beautiful pictures. So there's so much here. Yeah. There's so much here. But the first thing I want to say is a way to not live with the guilt of it all. I don't think we can do that. <laughs> I think we can say you don't deserve to be guilty. There's no reason in the world for you to be guilty, Nicole. But I don't know that that's going to really take it away. I think you saying to yourself and experiencing it over and over and over and over and over again, eventually it's going to lessen. It, yeah, it'll just kind of just, think, right? That's the way I think it'll work. Well, we, we talked about that in the group a lot because you, you and I as leaders and other people in the group, could not, you can't take guilt away. It's like yeah. you can't take pain away, right? So, right? so you can't take it away. But what we would say is someday, yeah. you hopefully will forgive yourself. Yeah, they, they all, there's so much here. The idea that I may feel like I'm betraying him yeah, by loving a new kitten or loving a new cat. And, you know, we've talked about how, I mean, all of what Nicole talks about is so common to so many people. We're so yeah. grateful to you, Nicole, for saying Yes, this. I mean, all of no. this comes out. When because, yeah, it's just so talks. typical. Right. And, and even down to, you know, your friends are like really supportive for a day. And your really? mom too. Now, the first thing I want, one thing I want to say is they mean well. Almost yeah, certainly they mean well. All of them do. They don't like to see you in pain. They hope Especially it's- Especially your mother. Hurt. 
especially a mom doesn't want it to hurt. But at the same time, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. And it's just going to make you feel, most people will feel like their experience is being dismissed. And so it's a, it's a hard thing. So the, the recommendation that I have for you on that is to try to recognize that they're probably not trying to hurt you and maybe just say that you're going to, you're probably going to feel sad for, for quite a while. And, you know, it's not going to be helpful for them to, or to for your mom to tell you, that, you know, yeah, to disappear or to tell you to get over it or anything that, that, that diminishes, that seeks to diminish your pain because it won't work. It'll just make you feel like you're being disrespected on some level. You know, it, it's really hard with that. I, I mean, I've actually have a woman I'm working with right now. Her fiance was killed in a car accident wow. and she, her, her, the people she's around don't, she's, she feels uncomfortable with, right? Because they don't know if they should bring it up. They don't know mm. what to do. They don't know what to say. The only people she really feels comfortable with is his parents mm -hmm. because and his sister because they went through it. Also. Right. But right. that feeling, I can feel it in her when I talk to her. It's like she almost feels immobilized. You know, how, yeah. how am I going? I don't think people under, they don't understand me, you know? And that's really a difficult place to be. Yeah, they 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 don't understand, and and even just to to ask her and mention how are you doing, how's it going so far, you know, that just to to acknowledge that they know that she's going through a very hard time, and that's a you know that's what we have to do with people who are grieving is just acknowledge that that we would we understand that this is hard and follow their lead and the other and, thing that, that she said too which you know she she was afraid to love again and that it would something about jeff and and what i would say is jeff will never leave her he is yeah. his own special yeah child her son who will always be in her heart and there will never be another one like him. Yeah, she writes, I just don't know how to live with the thought that one day will pass and I won't miss him or think about him. Yeah, and it's not going to happen. No, you will think about him. Like it's Zena, like, right? In the article, yeah. she still thinks about, you know, yeah. her, her dog. And it, it's something the way we can hold on to the loving memories of so many lost souls. I mean... I think about my lost beloved pets a lot. Of course. And it doesn't, it, it never seems like there won't be enough room to think of them. You know, I think about my parents a lot. I think about friends who I've lost. And so, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't intrude in a way that is burdensome or uncomfortable. Or, and I never, I never feel like I'm going to lose that because no, you'll never. it's so important. It's so fundamental. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that the, the thing I, I I've come to believe that, that that's just part of like the, the settling that goes on in our minds and hearts. That's necessary to take the relationship as it exists when we have 
them physically mm-hmm. to the connection we'll always have with them. That's right. After they no longer transcend into spiritual. And, yeah. And, so it's and this it's period of of settling and transition in our own in our own connection to them, and we fear that we're going to lose them, but we're not going to lose them. It's never, we're never going to. Yeah. Yeah. Or for all of you out there, you will always have. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, it, you don't have to, you don't have to try. It's just part of, it's just part of the way we live forward. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, there, I show, I, I sent you some TikToks, right? There's a trending on, on, I can't remember the name. It's an old love song. And, and like, so they're, so the person saying, and this is what it's going to be like when I get to heaven, right? And all, and the last one I said, there was all these dogs oh, yeah, that came over the hill, and she said, "This is what I want to see," you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and that's going to um, happen. So. Yeah. So once again, Nancy, it's been great talking with you. We thank Nicole for sharing yes. with us and sharing with everybody who listens to this conversation and we'll look forward to, to getting together again next week. Take care. Take care.